Hello, hi everybody. Welcome to Football in General. This is Rob Case and Trevor Koppel. Trevor, welcome to the week that is known as Football Christmas. My friend, it <laughs> is, it's officially, well, it's week zero. It is week zero, as they would say in college football season when you get the, the Notre Dame-Navy game, right? First right. week, called week zero. This is, this is the, the NFL's version of week zero. How do you feel? How do you feel being in week zero? We you know, it. It, it really snuck up on me. This this summer has been a whirlwind, and uh, even doing this podcast, I kind of didn't see this coming, but it's it's August now. We had a football game last night, and uh, the rest of the preseason is right around the corner. <clears throat> I mean, you know, and, and the funny part about it is we'll talk about preseason, but, uh, you know, we'll be excited for the most inconsequential games in the history of football <laughs> for the next Next month, because you know it's not about the games; it's about what they represent. You know, oh yeah, it's about the metaphor. That's what it's about. <laughs> so, that's that's what it is. And we all know, well, the most trusty metaphor in this podcast, do we not? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> Roy, and what uh, what do you think that would be? Uh, it's definitely the gravy metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, man, there's there's people out there using gravy as their rap names now. I'm not saying I was <laughs> I was the person that influ- influenced them, but uh, I will say that uh, you know there's a special part of me, and I'm not saying it's artery clogging. It's not in my heart, not that part of my heart. Um, I have clear arteries, supposedly. Uh, I think we all have high high cholesterol in this country, but nonetheless, um, it's part of that little place in your heart. Co- co- uh, bleh, bleh, easy for me to say, connected to all those little neurological receptors in your brain that light up and give you all that little dopamine. That is the gravy that exists in my heart for the NFL season, specifically <laughs> for the fantasy football portion of it. And I'm going to tell you, man, I'm interested in, in what, your, um, what your take is on this. But I've heard uh, some differing opinions, and I think you know we have been any, anything but honest on this. Everything except not honest on this podcast. Easy, easy for me to say, once again. Um, here we are. August 4th, that's when we're recording this. Who knows when it will actually go up, August 4th. Um, let me ask you this. Is it a little too early to um, start, a fo- start a fantasy football league? Is it a little too early for the draft, or how do you feel about drafting right now? Well, and, and even subsequently, when, when is the earliest you would draft? So it's, uh, you know, some, some of these, you know, when should we draft uh, debates can be influenced by the league format. Um, I've I've only once been a part of a league that greatly differs from from you know the really standard uh, format. Uh, but you know I, I'm I'm used to drafting, you know the weekend before week one or even the week you know during the week like the Tuesday before the uh, the Thursday night opener, um, and I really enjoy that. Uh, I I think that's a great way to do it. You can't always do it that way. Um, of course, most of my drafts are not in person. So an in-person draft can be incredibly fun. The few that I've been a part of, I had a great time. Uh, and and that really can be dictated by, like, when can you get somebody in town? When can you have somebody, you know, not at work? You know, you got to pick a date that works for the most people in the league possible. Um, or at least that's the way it should be. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, so sometimes that's why you might do it sooner. Um, 
I understand, you know, a lot of a lot of families are preparing for kids to go back to school if they didn't go back to school this week. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's a tough call. I, I'm I'm pretty lucky that I I get what I want most of the time, which is you know I I want yeah I don't I don't want to draft even a, a full week before the first game um, because so many things can change. Uh, it's just. It's just difficult. Uh, and then, you know, if you want to be fair to the person who's, you know, number one pick got injured before week one, short of a complete redraft, it's extremely difficult situation to hammer out. So uh, my advice to commissioners everywhere is to get your draft, get your, get your league to accept a draft really close to uh to that thursday night kickoff game you said same week like the tuesday you're saying yeah i've I've drafted the tuesday before like the like two days before the start of the season okay now what's what's the strategy there though like well so the, the the thinking there is that you've really narrowed the window for people to get hurt before they've even played it down a football um but those those that's never been an in person draft scenario. That's always been, you know, we're all, you know, either at home on our computers or even in in the world drafting on our phones. Um, which recently I've come to really enjoy drafting on my phone. It used to be I've re- I I had to do it at my computer. Um, and I, I I there's another you know nugget of advice for anyone listening. If you've if you've not done a draft before or, the, or if you still feel like a novice. I do recommend doing it on your computer. Um, it's just, it's a little safer. Things don't go, as, you know, it's harder for things to go wrong. And it can be really frustrating when, when your draft goes wrong. Um, I think it was, I think it was last year. Uh, I was drafting on my phone in a league and uh, it didn't bother me too much. I, I had a chance to grab Justin Jefferson. I attempted to, it wasn't, you know, my phone wasn't refreshing or something, so I went ahead and tried to draft somebody else, and I ended up drafting Jamar Chase instead. Uh, I didn't raise a stink about it because, I mean, those uh, going into last season, I would consider the two of those a coin flip. I only wanted Justin Jefferson because I'm a Vikings fan, um, and uh, and it didn't didn't prevent me from having a great year. Uh, but uh, but that those sort of things aren't going to happen. At, is, you know, your computer can still malfunction. You can still lose your internet in the middle of a draft. Nothing's you know perfect, or nothing's one hundred percent safe. But uh, I do recommend uh, newbies, uh, novices to uh, to draft on their computer. <clears throat> uh, that's a good point. Um, you know, I think if anything, I prefer to draft my computer if possible. It, it is by pure convenience. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, that I can draft on my phone. Um, it's just, it's just easier. It's one click, you know, I mean, it's really as simple as that. I can watch something else. I can hang out with the wife. You can do oh, yeah. a variety I, of other things. I've um, drafted leagues while attending office barbecues. Um, it's just, yeah. it's really, if you have confidence, if you know what you're doing, um, and you're not <clears throat> someplace where you're worried about losing signal or whatever <laughs> Wi-Fi you're on, then, uh, drafting on your phone can be really convenient. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the newer you are to it, the more, 
upsetting it can be when when something goes wrong with your draft and you make a mistake. Um, and I think that being at your being at your desktop or laptop, you're just you're really limiting how much can go wrong. What about those folks who um, do a live draft? Like you know, I've done it before where <clears throat> basically everybody that was in the in the league met at a bar, and we would just live draft. You know, what, what kind of advice can you give those folks? Because that's so that's also about the, a possibility. The in person draft. Yeah, like it's yeah. on the app, right? Um, but it's an in-person draft regardless right. and everybody's in the same room. Um, I've done a few of those and, and they're well, fun. And that's, you know, I think that's what, uh, hand, but that's what I'm used to with an in-person draft is we're still all drafting on our devices. Um, I've, I've never had the privilege to be a part of a league that does like a board and bits of paper and, you know, a, a, an analog draft, yes. if you will. Um, those look really fun, but level. man, somebody has to really step up to organize something like that. Um, but yeah, totally. it's, yeah. it's kind of up to you, uh, you and your league, uh, how much, how, how big a production you want to make out of the draft. It can be a really good time. Um, the live drafts I've been to have always had just a ton of food, ton of booze, cornhole, lots of good stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really fun when you can get everybody together for it. And when I say everybody, I mean, as many people as possible, there's always somebody that can't make the live draft. <laughs> yeah, but it's um yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of an atmosphere you really can't replicate. And I'm not making it sound like it's like heaven. But I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> you got a you get you know, 12 guys, probably predominantly a few women in there, you know, I'm just saying. It's just the way it is, right? And totally. uh, you're at a bar, you know, you're at Chili's, you're causing a muck, you know. It's a Thursday night, you got work in the morning. <laughs> You know, or it's Friday night, you know, it's Saturday, you know, you're just ripping it up. I mean, maybe drafting players, people yelling at each other. Maybe you're in the draft him. Maybe you're in the office conference room without permission. That makes it a lot of fun. You could be. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But you know, there's there's times you get in you get a live draft and there's a run on players that there shouldn't be a run on and there's just just a lot of, you know, crap talk going on. And just it's it's truly something you can't replicate. Cause the thing is, is that you'll play these people in your league. You might only see them in the office. You, maybe you'll text them, but rarely you're going to see like while you're playing, they're going to be in the same room. So this is kind of like a fun little nugget, you know, this is a fun little nugget. So, um, yeah. So, uh, basically in consensus, you know, have a live draft. If you can have it at Chili's, right. Plan on, you know, Venmo and cause here's the thing too. Here, here's a little thing for you. You know, I don't care. This is outside the box, you know, a little bit. Um, look, if you got a live draft, you're going to a bar, you're going to Chili's, you're doing it in the conference room, you got pizza coming. It, you know, regardless, somebody's picking up the check. Okay, don't do this thing where you have to. <laughs> hey, yeah, I'll take this. Uh, this is my check. I got this, this, and this. No, no, no. And it, I could be wrong in this, Trevor, but this is etiquette for me, right? If you're at like a thing like that, somebody pays. You Venmo that one person. Everybody splits the check at that point. The Venmo gets split. That one person pays, right? Everybody's paying. So get her, get whatever you want at that point. I don't, oh, yeah. you know, it's just etiquette for me. Don't make, don't make the waiter split your check 12 different ways. No, you, you have don't my endorsement there. Um, yeah, I've, uh, don't do it. I'm, I'm long removed now from my, uh, you know, server days, but, uh, man, it really, really stinks. So, yeah. And sometimes this group setting, uh, 
can end up not not purchasing that much. We just have a you know I've had groups come into Chili's where I used to work, and then they're trying to split you know a thirty two dollar check between thirteen people, and it comes out to you know barely more than two bucks a person, and they tip like it's two bucks a person. It's like yeah, but I did take care of you guys for like two hours. Uh, it'd be nice if you guys tipped according to that and not uh not the uh you know twenty percent or whatever so hey you fat slobs yeah. no, if, if, <laughs> you if, just if you're all you know, splitting one you. appetizer and drinking waters um you're doing it wrong but uh if that is the case, then you need to tip based on like how much of the server's time you took up and like you know that was a table where people could have been spending money. Uh, so yeah, remember to, uh, if you're going to do a live draft in public, you know, take care of the, uh, the wait staff. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Have one person pay, then what that person. Simple as that. You know, you're going to be ordering a lot of food at that point. Just get whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Right. 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 And everybody has, is under the same guys. You end up with a $400 check and you know, you go split 12 ways. <laughs> so that's the way it is, yes. but not with the server. You Venmo it. So anyway, little, uh, little housekeeping there, you know, a little bit of housekeeping. <laughs> so, um, but let's, let's move on to some, some real talk. There's some real talk out there, Trevor. I don't know if you heard about this, you've seen about this, but, um, there is a holdout currently going on and not even a holdout, a trade me, right? Which these rarely work their way out. I'm not sure how you feel about these, but, um, top 10 player on the board for fantasy football is cur- currently holding out for a trade. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, after some questionable comments that Jim Ursay made, I won't repeat them, nor could I even do it with the accent. He probably said it when he was under the influence of something, knowing Jim Ursay, so we won't even go there. But um, we have a holdout, man. We have a top 10 running back, a top 10 fantasy player that's holding out, and uh, implications are league-wide right now for fantasy football. Right. Um, right. What is your take on this situation? So I, I expect that he'll play week one if that's something that people are worried about um i also think that if he gets traded he's going to be traded to a team that's ready to use him um so this you know you everybody's already everybody who listens to the podcast already knows that i'm pretty bullish on wide receivers in the first round um not that i wouldn't draft the right running back at the right spot in the first round um so I, I guess what I'm saying is this this doesn't scare me away from, from him at all. Um, he's either going to be Jonathan Taylor with the Colts or he's going to be just as important on it on some other team. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, the, the running back, we're, we're not talking about, you know, oh, he's great, but he's on a bad team. It's like, no, that's, that doesn't really affect uh, – those fantasy stats as much. Um, and anybody that's going to have Jonathan Taylor, um, yeah, the, the, you know, the more often you're in the red zone, the better off they are. But Jonathan Taylor is somebody that will take you to the red zone. Um, so I, I wouldn't hesitate to draft him based on this, Uh, but maybe you get to draft him lower than you otherwise would. If other people are thinking that they're unsure about, uh, his future. So, so this could turn out to be a benefit to uh, anybody listening. Don't don't. In my opinion, this should not scare you away from Jonathan Taylor at all. Um, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't. Um, 
you know, I mean, given the situation is un, you know, predictable, like a better term. Uh, that's a very catchy phrase today. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not that I don't think anybody wants to. It's not that they don't want to draft him, right? I think everybody, given the opportunity, would draft Jonathan Taylor. Um, it's just, are you willing to risk a seventh-round pick for him? We're going to say if he goes from one to seven, just because nobody really knows what's going on, you know, and ends up playing or not. What if he doesn't play? Right. Well, so you know that's I mean? the thing. Like, uh, you know, me personally, seeing the landscape as I do, I would, I would not take Jonathan Taylor number one overall. That's that's not my number one overall pick. He just isn't. Um, but uh, but if this uncertainty drives him down to even you know five or six round pick, and and I can't get Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, uh, any of those guys I really want. Um, yeah, now all of a sudden he's a guy that someone like me can draft in the first round. I just can't draft him with the number one overall. But that was my view of the situation before this news. Um, so what I'm saying is like, yeah, other people that might have been real bullish on him, thinking they'd take him number one overall, uh, may hesitate. And then, you know, one of our lucky listeners could uh, take a little bit of my advice and grab him a little later. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think, but what I'm saying is, what the indication is, is that um, he doesn't get traded. He's probably not going to play. Oh, you <laughs> so think, you think, I, I, so that's, that well, would be shocking to me. Now, I haven't, I haven't read what's going on. I have no idea what Jim Merce has said. I can assume the worst. Um, but, uh, but man, it, it, you really think if they don't trade him, he's going to not play. He's in the final year of his contract, and they said they already said they weren't going to pay him. So, well, I, I, I don't know how this works out. Otherwise, yeah, if they no, don't pay I, him, <laughs> I, I, it's you possible. Know? It's possible, but it's hard for me to imagine Jonathan Taylor missing Week One, whether he's on a new team or with the Colts. Um, it could happen. It could happen. Um, all the more reason to draft closer to that first game because um, I think I think this will probably get you know it, it may be close but I, I think this will get resolved uh, before probably before most of my drafts so yeah um, I, I, you hope so I, I mean I hope so I sure hope so um, he's he's a player yeah um, I know I haven't given a lot of love to running backs uh, in recent podcasts but uh the uh, you know he, he, Jonathan Taylor is a player that makes this league great. He he needs to be playing football, whether it's uh, you know something negotiated with the Colts or on another team. Um, and and we can you know it's it's you know we've we've all talked about the quarterback carousel this year. It seems like there's a bit of a running back carousel. You know they could trade him and bring in Dalvin Cook. Um, you know it's there's there's a lot of them out there still looking for a place to land. Um, so the, that aspect of this conversation is exciting to me. Where could Jonathan Taylor end up if not with the Colts? Because um, it would be real exciting to see him on another team. Right. Um, like, I mean, I, I just want to see him play. I think he's a, he's a wonderful player. Obviously a great running back. 
a guy who runs with a ton of aggression and just, I mean, he's one of the top players in the league. So of course, you want to see him play. Um, the the idea, though, when I, at least when I'm reading, is that Jim Irsay said when they're when he's going. I can't remember the exact quote here, but basically, not the reason. This isn't the reason that started it. I mean, there's other obviously quotes that Jim Irsay said, and if you know Jim Irsay, he's well, I mean, not somebody that should really be talking in public very often, although yeah. he is the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, so that is what it is. Um, but uh, And I don't have it here. I thought I was going to be able to pull it up. But nonetheless, um, when your time be- comes to get – there it is. When your, time, when your time comes to get paid, then you get paid. If he hasn't been paid yet, it's not his time. Uh, the philosophy of the Colts is, hey, he's going to hold out. It's cool. Trade him. Uh, I don't think they really want to for obvious reasons. And here we are. And I don't think they're going to pay him either. Right. Well, and that's that's kind of the where, like, I talk about seeing him on another team being really exciting. Um, but ultimately, it is up to the Colts. They don't have to trade him if they don't want to. Uh, so it's not like it's Jonathan Taylor's decision. Um, you know, it's because, uh, uh, you know, part of me wants to think, like, well, what's he asking for? What were the what were the Dolphins offering Dalvin Cook? Um, would it be a good fit? And it's like, well, it really doesn't matter unless the Colts want to trade him. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting situation. Um, not to keep an eye on it, <laughs> but it uh, but man, yeah, <laughs> a, a trade would be big news uh, anywhere he went. Yeah, no, no question. So, but. Once again, it's just purely speculation. I think if anything, for fantasy football heads out there, as Trevor already said, eh, you know, just keep an eye on him. <laughs> just take yeah. him later rounds. Because if he goes early, I, I mean, that means somebody else is going to fall. I don't have no I, any idea how that would happen unless there was like some, I don't know, un, some knowledge from some person with a time machine in your league. I don't know. Right. <laughs> like, he's not going to be, even in, like, the pre-rankings, like, the computer-generated, like, auto-picks, there's, he's not going to be in there either. <laughs> so, I don't know how far he'll fall. I assume probably at the later, late, late, the uh, end of your draft. There yeah. You I said it. Danny, get draft. So, well, I'm, I'm, pretty sure, there. I'm pretty sure somebody in my office league will try to draft Tom Brady over Jonathan Taylor. Uh, it's not going to work, but they'll try. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, man, if there was an opportunity to draft Mickey Mouse right now, I think <laughs> there would be some people <laughs> in your league that would probably take the opportunity. So, um, but and I'm sorry, wait from the mic here. As Trevor said, we keep an eye on moving forward. Moving on, we're talking about another running back, man. It's the it's been a weird week for running backs here, and of course at our the top of our rankings, a, one, a guy that. Um, Two or three years ago, I think he was going number one overall. In fact, in this podcast, I think we recommended him over a few running backs that ended up having a better season than him, only because he got hurt. But this guy's – and it's hard to believe um, in, in running back age, this might as well be uh, you know geriatric, but Alvin Kamara, man, is 28 years old, and he just got suspended for three games uh, due, due to uh, – was it um, conduct detrimental to the league? Here he is. Another guy that we've mentioned before in the past. I don't know where he's at, but look, if it's a guy that gets brought down in your draft, maybe because you think you go in round two or three, and he gets down to six or seven, I mean, 
you know? Right. And that's, that's you know, <laughs> depending on what the rest of your roster looks like, you know, you can wait until week three. Right. Wait, how many, how many games is he suspended? Three. Three. So, you, I mean, you might be able to weather that storm until week four, and then he could be, uh, you know, again, it's, a, it's an aging running back, so there's no guarantee. But uh, who he is in his situation, you think the volume is definitely going to be there. And uh, and he's still a playmaker. You know, I haven't seen it. You know, it can happen at any time, but we haven't seen it drop off yet. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't consider him to be uh, one of the top tier running backs because I, I, I make that a pretty small group. But uh, but he's definitely got to be rostered in every league. Um, there's not enough yeah, no good question. running backs going around. So so yeah, the more you see Alvin Kamala. Uh, Alvin Kamara fall because he had a, you know, his not the right word, but a lackluster season. He wasn't who we wanted him to be these last couple of seasons. Um, He's still really good. And, you know, three weeks is not the whole season, not even close. So, um, and, you know, there, there comes a point in every draft where you're looking at like, do I go with an unproven or do I go with somebody I know I'll have to stash for a little while? Um, and like if if you get to that point in your draft and Alvin Kamara is available, he won't be. But if he is, like yeah, stash that dude because uh, he's gonna be uh, reliable. You know, he's not gonna be a world beater. He's not gonna carry your roster, but he's gonna be a week in and week out contributor once his suspension is up. Yeah, no question, man. I mean, <clears throat> it's um, it's kind of interesting. We're getting into this. With these conversations, the last two guys we're talking about here between Jonathan Taylor and Alvin Kamara, if you play your cards right, uh, you know, hopefully Jonathan Taylor plays, but maybe you take him in like a late round flyer if he's still there. Um, and now you got Alvin Kamara, and like, well, like two weeks ago we were talking about him going in the third round. Well, you know, you, you, could, you could parlay this, man. You could sit on him for a bit. Maybe you take a receiver early. You can kind of stream a running back week to week the first three weeks of the season and have Alvin Kamara as a flex or RB2. Yeah. If you play yeah. right. <laughs> you know? Um, especially in a PPR league. I mean, yes, he hasn't produced a lot in a regular fantasy league, but in a PPR league, he's a top five running back. So No, you're right about that. He, he, they throw the ball to him a lot, uh, dump down to him a lot. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Um I mean, still be a difference maker. You know, you got Derek Carr this year. Um, they have a little bit more space on offense. They'll have Jamal Williams. He's going to end up running the ball a lot. Um, and then Kendra Miller, they took in the third round. So it's, you know, it's it's honestly a pretty decent scenario for Kamara. Um, but, yeah, I think at this point, like he's an RB probably 15 in the rankings, which makes him possibly a fifth or sixth round pick. So... Just keep that in mind, you know. This is kind of where we're at with that one. Happy accidents, even if it's a really terrible situation for fantasy football, you know. Right. Speaking of happy accidents, here's a guy that uh, was basically RB1 last year, and we're going to go on to some kind of breakout candidates and or we've kind of talked about these guys a few times, a few few of them, but we didn't mention him, and – uh, RB1, RB4, last, what, six weeks of the season last year. Um, in L.A., I'm not sure how much they're going to run the ball. 
how good that offensive line will be. But with Sean McVay at the at head coach, you know, there's going to be a nice zone blocking scheme. There's going to be a lot that opens up for him. It's Cam Akers, man. Cam Akers. 100% Cam Akers. of the snaps played from the last six weeks of the season. He'll be RB1 in uh, L.A. this year. Not competing with anybody that you'd be worried about to take reps from him. 24 years old. Contract year. I, I don't know how he didn't already talk about this guy. but No, you're right. He, he really has been, at least speaking for myself, he's been under the radar. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of people, especially in L.A., that, that uh, can't wait to draft him. Um, but, yeah, uh, was it uh, uh, Sony Michelle retired? Um, he did. And that, that was his only real competition there. Um, if he was even still with them, I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure he was still playing for them. But, uh, yeah, I, I like Cam Akers a lot. He's reliable, um, very physical, explosive through the hole. Um, and, yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's this, there's this weird feeling right now with, with, uh, with the L.A. Rams. You know, they, they had one of the worst uh, Super Bowl hangovers uh, that you can remember. Um, but, uh, but they do have a great coach. And somebody like Cam Akers, uh, along with, I guess Cooper Cup, I think got injured, but I think he's supposed to be ready for Week One. Um, but uh, you know, you, you got to think that those two guys are going to be uh, super high volume. Um, even if they're not winning games, they're going to be getting reps, they're going to be getting yards, and uh, and they're going to be getting scores. Um, so I, I expect Sean McVay to have that offense uh, humming again, uh, whether or not they that transition, you know, translates to a lot of success is going to, is going to fall on where that defense is at these days. Um, but, uh, yeah, Cam Akers, I love it. Um, and again, yeah. like, depending, yeah, on, depending on who you're in the league with, uh, you could get him at a real good spot. Definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know how we haven't already mentioned him, but, um, looking at RB eight as a high end, uh, so I guess that would mean probably what round two, I assume. Yeah, is that round, too high for him? Do you feel like two, that's too high? So saying out loud, it might be. It it could be. Um, depends on the size of your league, but uh, but that's kind of what we're talking about here. Is um, you know he he didn't have a big year last year, so or, uh, you know not a, a flashy one. So I would I would definitely take him anywhere in the third round um you know and if somebody wants to take him in the second round i'm not saying they make a mistake um but where you would make a mistake is if you passed on him in the third Hmm. it's interesting yeah it's not like it's interesting when you say his name and i start reading off some of the stats and like the potential and it's like okay this guy sounds like a real like steal like where are you getting him round two oh that's it? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess he is around two fit. <laughs> um, but hot, ranked as high as RB8, ranked as low as RB20, so somewhere between round two and four, five, potentially. So I, I don't think it's necessarily like if you get him in two, like Trevor's saying, like it's not a reach necessarily. 
I, I, I wouldn't like. I think that's just too high for him because we're talking about breakout. So what's right. the same word as so what goes I mean, in that word as breakout? A bust, <laughs> right? So <laughs> bust and breakout go hand in hand, and that's what yeah. a lot of these are. You know, if somebody wants to take him in the second round, even late in the second round, you just you're putting more confidence in him than I have, and uh, and you. I mean, let's face it with these with these with these high round picks, every single one of them is a roll of the dice. Um, so, so if you want to roll the dice on Cam Akers. Uh, I can't tell you it's a bad idea. Just I'm, I'm waiting to roll the dice on him until at least the third. Yeah, yeah, I think that's more appropriate round for him. I actually might be okay with four, too. But I think if you got him there and he had a good year, you'd feel like you got a you got like a first round pick. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Because um, I think well, he's just, he's he, a really good running back. You and just never. Run the ball a lot. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the fun part of all this, and that's what we're here to talk about is, you know, which one of these great running backs is not going to deliver and which one of the, you know, who's going to be the next, you know, running back that you got in the sixth round that ended up, you know, in a, you know, RB five or better situation at the end of the season. Um, Cause it happens every year happens to somebody um, just off the top of my head. Uh, you know, I got uh, Jimmy Graham, like the year that he exploded onto the scene. Uh, I, I drafted him like almost as an afterthought, and then he was like tight end one that year. Um, so, and that's 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 why we do this. It's it's a lot of fun, um, you know, and and that's why you can't uh, you know you can't hesitate to put a lot of thought and effort into those later rounds. Um, we were talking about a guy before we got on the air, and I, I already can't remember his name. He was with Tampa Bay, and he's now with Dallas, the running back. He's in his, like, second or third season now. Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones, thank you. I think he might only be in his second season. Um, was he a rookie last year? No. Uh, no, no, he was, he, was a rookie. he was a rookie when they won yeah. the Super Bowl. Um, right. Yeah. But uh, so he's... He's getting bounced over to Dallas where he's not going to be the big name in the running back room. Um, but, uh, but boy, does he have potential. And this is a guy you could get late. I'm talking late in the draft. I think you should scoop this guy up um, because the, the ceiling there is high. The floor is low. But, like, if you, if you get a guy like that and it hits, oh, man, you're looking good. Because uh, he's got early round potential, but you can get him. And we were talking like late in the draft. You, you could maybe scoop him up with your last pick in the draft um, because of who he's on the roster with. Uh, but uh, but those are the sort of guys that I'm looking for in those rounds. These home run picks that you know he could turn into somebody you've got in your lineup every week. Yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty much what you say. You're just kind of taking steps, you know. And so this is a guy, in, in regards to, to be on point with what you're talking about, here's another guy who I think, um, <clears throat> I mean, could be available in later rounds. I'm not sure. He's projected at a, oh, I think on the high end. Let's see, wide receiver, 28, worst 66. So just a big range between what he's ranked at and what he could go. And 
what he could possibly do. But I'll tell you, man, this guy having another year in this offense is going to be pretty critical. It's Kadarius Toney, you know, in, in Kansas City. Um, First-round pick, ran a 4-3-40 in college, flashed in New York, had a lot of behavioral issues, um, played sort of like the Tyreek Hill role in Kansas City, but not to the same degree, obviously, but was kind of all over the field and in space. Made some pretty good plays in the playoffs. Has been injured, hurt his knee, probably be ready for week one against Detroit. Um, you know, it's you talk about a, a late-round flyer, um, or possibly even like somebody scoop up in free agency if you're just kind of like, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about this late-round flyer. It's like, let me just swap it for this guy. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know why I feel like he has elite fantasy potential, but because of that offense um, and his tendency to run like deep routes and he has a ton of speed and just, you know, he's going to be healthy and hopefully not injured. Kadarius Tony kind of lines up for me as like a nice late round flyer, to be honest. Well, and and I think uh, I think he will be available a lot of the time in those late rounds uh, because I think he was. I mean, it, only in hindsight can I say this. He was a little overhyped at certain points last year, um, and and people who thought he was going to be much more the Tyreek Hill type. Uh, you know, there were some good weeks, but he wasn't consistent fantasy-wise. Um, so I think I think a lot of people that were initially, you know, all about uh, Kadarius Tony, uh, they're really cooled on him. Um, he kind of left a bad taste in your mouth last season. So I think this is a guy who's on a team that's definitely going to try to get more value out of him this year than they did last year, and uh, and a team that can do it. Um, and I think, yeah, I think he's going to be available pretty deep in the draft. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's, it's, he's, it's, he's weird. <laughs> you know, you think he's like borderline flex bench guy. Um, but honestly, depending on like what he gets for, for targets and no Juju Smith Schuster this year. Right. Right. So you assume there's going to be more opportunities for him and Sky Moore. Um, and, the way, you know, Kansas City runs their offense, there'll be a lot of space for him, and he'll be in motion a lot, and I just, you know, dude, there's not a better deep passer in the NFL than um, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, there's not a better passer in the NFL than Patrick Mahomes, in my opinion. So, um, I think it's just the right fit. If anything, is a late-round flyer. He's a guy you kind of keep an eye on free agency. Um, and only, the only caveat being that he's kind of injury prone and who knows if he'll actually develop into that option in Kansas city, but he has elite potential. That, and that's <laughs> exactly what we're looking for in these late rounds. Like I'm talking, your starting roster is, is filled and you've got most of your backups in place too, but you're wondering what to do with those last couple of spots. Swing for the fences. Um, that, that that's, that's my strategy is, uh, you know, I'm not exactly trying to take the best player left, but like someone I see is not just who they are, but the situation on the team that they're on. Like, could this person turn into just a a huge asset for me down the road this season? That's who I want to grab. Yeah, no question. 
<clears throat> no question. That's that's definitely the right kind of like um, mentality going into the draft. Um, it, like, what do I do with my later round picks? Fill a roster. <laughs> grab some guys. Grab some rookies. You know, like grab a couple rookies that, um, or maybe one that like you feel like has like a lot of potential to either make some noise early in the season or later in the season when you really need somebody. So um, we saw last year. I mean, if you anybody took took Chris Olave. Like later in the later in the draft, like he was he paid off for them as a flex. Like same guy I could see, and not because he's an Ohio State wide receiver, but Jackson Smith uh, Nahigma Nahigba. I'm not sure if that's how you say his last name, but Jackson Smith Nahigba um, in Seattle, he'll be a wide receiver three, but playing with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. <laughs> so is he? He's like around probably ten or eleven, twelve guy, you know? Right. And he was a first round receiver. Got a lot of talent, and he's going to need time to acclimate to that offense with Pete Carroll, but he's going to be getting one-on-one coverage. No, you're right about that. <laughs> you're right about that. You know, uh, you know be, so it's hard not to look at that guy, too. He'll be the open so, man most often, yeah. Yeah, right, right. So it's, you know, Geno Smith's in a good place there. So um, here's a guy, not, and uh, I was actually interested, I want to maybe get a take. Look, this isn't like a, breakout candidate necessarily because he had a really good year last year 916 yards six touchdowns at a position that trevor and i have talked about uh, frequently as being probably the most disappointing or hard to predict or just pain in the ass position in fantasy football i'm talking about the tight end spot it's an absolute crapshoot who you're going to get week to week unless you have one of the top end talents um you're probably going to be very disappointed (laughs) Typically, with the 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 uh, production you get, unless you have like Taysom Hill on a random week, and he gets forty points, because that happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah, yeah, Trevor. You know this guy very well. Ten catches, one hundred twenty nine yards for the Minnesota Vikings, and their their playoff loss to the Giants. T.J. Hawkinson being projected at as a tight end number two above people like George Kittle, uh, Hunter Henry, um, geez, Kyle Pitts. Projected, projected, easy for me to say once again, having a hard time with words today. Um, projected above a lot of other tight ends in the league, man. Well, TJ Hawkinson's <clears throat> in at number two. So, tight end two. what do you think about that ranking? I, yeah. I really understand it. Um, and, and it's really tough to have a lot of certainty in that, you know, like, oh, you know, he very easily could be outperformed by Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews or George Kittle. Um, but TJ Hawkinson, uh, he was drafted extremely high coming out of college, coming out of, you know, tight end university there in Iowa. And, uh, he, uh, you know, he's always had the, the talent, you know, um, and, and I'm not trying to throw any shade at, at the lions right now. Um, historically maybe, but, but right now I've got a ton of respect for that team, but when they traded him to, uh, Minnesota midseason last year, it, it was like something switched on. And I think it's mostly the offense that he landed on uh, with their scheme and, and their coach. And all of a sudden, his production skyrocketed, um, not, not just uh, the number of touches he was getting, but getting the ball to him in space where he had a chance to break tackles and, and get all that yak. Um, he's, he's an incredible talent. And he's right now, uh, as of you know, the end of last season, he was on a team that was really 
uh, using him the right way so that, that his numbers just shot through the roof. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that ranking. I would love to have him on my team, my fantasy team. He's on mm-hmm. my team. He's on... <laughs> huh. Right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, if you get TJ Hawkinson in the in the draft, I mean, look, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested, and I'm also interested about maybe about your strategy with tight ends, given the lack of production. Is it? A, do you think it's a position you would target to get somebody as good as possible as soon as possible, or would you be more hesitant, given that um, it's really not a position to rely on in fantasy anyway? But typically, that let's be honest, and I don't know if this happens in your leagues. Generally, the people who are um, in the championship or like later in the playoffs or they make the playoffs have actually some pretty decent tight end production. Like, what do you, what do you feel about that? So I, I do think that it's an important position. Um, Most leagues you're starting one every week. Um, So, so I, I typically don't carry a backup tight end. Uh, That's one of those things where like I, I go Hmm. down to one defense for one week. To, uh, what I'm hoping for is I got a tight end. There's not a lot of them out there, but I like to get a tight end that I can start every week. Uh, they're not going to have a good week every week, but I want a guy I can start every week and then just plug one guy in during that bye week, assuming, you know, knock on wood, nobody gets uh, injured or, or suspended or anything like that. Um, but when it comes to getting those guys, uh, it's interesting the way this position is kind of spread out and like, like you'll see Travis Kelsey go in the first round, um, but uh, but in my experience, there's not always a run on tight ends. There might they they kind of go in bursts. Like you'll see, you know, Kelsey, Kittle, and Andrews go, and then they'll there might not be another tight end drafted for another round before you see another one go. Um, so you really kind of got to find these guys where there's good value for you. And I, I typically don't have one of those tight ends uh, unless it was, you know, their rookie season and I got them lower because uh, I, I almost never go tight end in the first two rounds. Uh, you know, maybe if it worked out perfectly that Travis Kelsey fell right to me, you know, but it hasn't happened yet. And uh, I like going after guys that I think I'm getting a good value for after I've already got my my wide receiver one and my RB one, um, you know, then I can look at somebody like, uh, you know, and that's the thing. Like, there's so few of them. Like, I, I honestly, this year, I really do have my eye on Cole Komet because uh, I do think I could get him at a good value uh, in the right round and maybe get him in, maybe get him in like the fifth. Um, I think that I think that that's an offense that's that's getting better, and the contract. It's not the best reason, but to me, that that new contract he just signed, he's going to be a big part of their game plan, uh, and he's shown incredible potential. And the way the way Justin Fields operates, he's almost like the running back that brings an extra man into the box. So these quick routes outside to a really good tight end like Cole Komet, I think it's going to be, I think that's going to be some of their bread and butter this season. Um, But yeah, I mean, if I, if I had a chance to draft TJ Hawkinson, like 
first pick in the third round, yeah, I'd scoop him up. Um, but uh, but it's hard, you know. That, that here's the problem with tight ends. There's 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 very few great ones. So you you tend to pick like like this is the one that I want, and then you have to have him, and you just can't you can't operate that way. That's that's not a good way to draft. Um, so you really kind of have to say like, oh yeah, it would be great, but so would be having you know, uh, you know, a great running back and a great wide receiver, and getting a a, a good tight end with good upside in the, in a middle round. Like like Cole Cole Komet's the one that keeps coming to mind right now. I'm pretty bullish on him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hesitate to make any predictions about Cole Komet because if you listen <laughs> to my uh, my analysis last year, I predicted him to have a big year. In fact, we predicted Chicago to have a big year a year too early <laughs> last year. No, yeah, so it I, is what it is. You're right. You're right. But uh, I still. It happens. I still we love. Did say that. I love the moves they made in the offseason. I love the midseason trades they made, trading away some of their defensive pieces that they were probably paying a little too much for, or at least would be paying too much for if they still had them this year. Um, so I, I just like where the offense is headed, and with someone like Justin Fields, who's shown me improvement every season that he's been in the league. Um, I'm I'm ready to say I'm pretty optimistic about Cole Komet. Um, I'm not saying the Bears are going to win the division. Um, the division, it's the the NFC North is going to be about as tight as any division is in the league right now in terms of like even the Green Bay Packers, who I would at this moment pick to finish last, could win it. Um, and and while we're on the subject, I'm, I'm picking the the Lions to be the best team in the division this this season, but uh, but the Bears, man. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to say is even if the Bears finish last or or win the division, uh, regardless of the team's success, I think Cole Komet is going to be what I need my tight end to be, which is not you know like I mean. He's going to have some big games, but I don't expect him to have off weeks where, or, or, a, you know, the wrong tight end, you're getting like less than two points a week for three or four weeks. And you're like, what am I doing? Holding on to this guy. Um, but well, what are the options in free agency out there? Not much. Uh, I just don't see that happening this season. Cole Komet, he could get you 20 points, but I expect him to get me at least, at least six points a game. You know what I mean? Which is not razzle-dazzle, but we're trying to win as a team here. Um, so I, I really do value consistency, especially from certain positions in certain rounds of the draft. So, yeah, if you're taking a tight end early, then you need him to be a guy that's giving you 15, 20 points a game every every week because you drafted him in the second or third round. Um, but if you get a guy like Cole Komet, fifth, maybe sixth round, I think that's a great value, and I think he's going to have, how do I say it? He's going to be a guaranteed not flop every week. Uh, I don't mean to laugh. I just remember last year, and it's a different offense. I'm aware. I'm aware of that. <laughs> you know, one more year for Justin Fields, better passer. <clears throat> you know, DJ Moore is in the offense. Right? That's right. 
um, yeah, no, aware of all those and factors. That, that's uh, the way I see it. You, you got DJ Moore stretching the field. You got Justin Fields' legs bringing an extra linebacker into the box. Uh, I think yeah. Cole Komet's going to get open a lot. I think they're going to design plays for him and check down to him quite often. And I just think that, especially in a PPR league, um, which if you're not in a PPR league, it's like, what are you doing now? Like, I... I, it took me a while to jump on PPR leagues, and I just I love them. They're so much fun. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I I think Cole Komet is uh, you know unless I have someone great just come right to me in those early rounds, I, I'm not going to reach down for the tight end I want before their time. Um, but uh, it, it'd be nice to have the the tight end that I want. But I think. Uh, you know Cole Komet, and there's got to be other ones out there like him. He's just the name that I'm, that I'm fixated on right now. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, but he's, he's somebody worth pointing out. I think he's getting a lot of preseason hype. Um, I just did had a lot of hype for him last year. I think we both did. And right. In the first three weeks of the year, he didn't catch pass. Right, right. So, so I don't think it'll uh, start that way this season. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm also pretty uh interested in uh somebody who you kept bringing up recently it's the tight end for the titans um yeah we uh boy he's a tough one to pronounce um right yes awuzie or something like that uh oh guanze i jeez uh, louise uh yeah but i think that's an offense that's gonna be kind of open for tight end yeah uh, production for lack of a better term so that's uh chigosium oconwo oconwo that's right. Conwell. Conquell. Conquell. There we go. Got it at the second time. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know if he's ranked, but somewhere in the top 10. But we mentioned in one of the, I mentioned in one of these these podcasts, man, like because uh, he's going to be under the radar and Brian Tannehill is the quarterback, he's, he could slip. But he had 15 yards of catch last year, 32 receptions, 450 yards, three touchdowns. Like really athletic tight end. Right. Second year in the league. That's typically when tight ends really produce. So he could be like tight end five, like top five tight end, like potentially. You know, right. that's and if the everything goes well. And he's so. a guy that you could draft after you've drafted three wide receivers and two running backs. You could probably still get this guy, depending on which league you're in, depending on how many football nerds are, are in your league. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, that that's kind of, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I'm always hopeful that I'll get one of these elite tight ends at just the right point to where I don't feel bad. I'm not reaching down for him. Um, it has happened, but it doesn't happen often. Um, so when I don't get one of the top three, four, five tight ends in the league, the, the big names, uh, those are the guys you got to look for and feel good about because uh, they, they are going to – uh, can, they they can be a part of a, a championship formula. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and in addition to that, I would keep an eye on like we've mentioned, like Mike Gesicki, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he's tight end two in that offense with New England, just because he's going to play alongside Hunter Henry. But he's not going to play the tight end position really as much because he's going to be in the slot and doing some other things in that that offense, you know. But so you can draft him and him. roster him as a tight end. That's always fun. I, you could. Yeah, there you go. But you could also like not draft him because <laughs> he probably will be available um, as a free agent, you know. So right. that's that's also like the idea. 
Um, but yeah, man, him, I mean, they got the kid in, um, Seattle. I think it's, I don't know, not Will Disley. It's, but he does play for Seattle. It's not, but that's not the kid I'm talking about. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, yeah, let me look it up here. But that's what I'm trying to say basically, man, is that there's a lot of potential for like a lot of different tight end stuff, whether or not any of it happens. Um, and you just like looking at, you know, the headlights of Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, like we do the last whatever years. Um, like it sucks. <laughs> it's not ideal, but um, I don't know what to say. It's such a hard position to, position to predict, you know? Um, I I honestly like don't know what to tell you. Sometimes I mean Dow, Dallas Goddard hopefully will be healthy all year. You know, um, Evan Ingram in Jacksonville was a nice surprise last year. I took him late. <clears throat> he ended up kind of paying off. Uh, Greg Dolchik in Denver could have a nice year just because you know Russell Wilson and that offense with um, Sean Payton and he's been great with tight ends historically. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, or none of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, so it's uh, it's really a hard position to predict um, because there's just so much. There isn't a lot of high end talent, right? Well, and that's that's why, like, like I really do embrace when I don't get one of those guys early. You know, because the only way I'm taking them early is if I don't have to reach down for them. Um, It's it's so much fun when you take a tight end later and and it really hits. Um, when Mark Andrews was his rookie year, I took him, uh, middle round pick, middle to late round pick. He was a rookie tight end. Uh, but I was a huge fan of his in college, Boomer Sooner. You know, he, he was an absolute Swiss army knife for that Oklahoma offense. He played tight end, but they'd even lined him up at running back. Um, and, uh, and he was so physical. I was just a huge fan. And, uh, you know, it only happened one time with a with a player like that that you can you can be the guy that got him in a mid to late round, and he turned out to be like a top three tight end and has been since. Um, so, you know that that's one of the more fun things for me about this game is like, like yeah, I look like a genius. Uh, really, truth is, I'm just a fanboy. Um, but huh. you just you never know, and it's it's so much fun when you take. When you get somebody in those later rounds that should have gone in the first two or three, yeah, that's that. That kind of makes it all worth it, right? Sorry about oh, yeah. that. <laughs> kind of makes and, it all and, worth it. And yeah. honestly, that's I, I've never won a championship where that wasn't part of the point. Like like hitting on some of your later round picks, that's how you end up winning your league. That it just and, and it's it, it. There's you know there's a little bit of luck to that. But we don't want to admit it. it. It's football genius. It's football prowess. Uh, that's how you got that guy in that round. <laughs> that's football, baby. That's fantasy football in a nutshell. So, anywho, well, it's been fun, and that's fan- that's uh, football in general. You know, as always. I mean, we look over landed in August here, folks. Some of you got kids out there, man, and they're in school, as Trevor mentioned. Uh, none of our kids are in school, not that we know of. So, <laughs> no more what. Um, it's. You know, it's uh, one of those things. I mean, you're picking the kids from school, right? You're driving them to uh, football practice. You're sitting in the car watching them, watching them practice 
they're uh, mighty, might, mighty mites, they're peewees, right? They're midget football and running into each other head first. You just wonder, man, my kid's not going to remember math tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to get him to do homework later with a concussion. Uh, but, you know, look, look, they don't have to worry about that because there's many episodes of football in general that preoccupy your mind, head, your mind space and your thought space rather than does my kid, will my kid eventually have CTE by the age of 13 because he's playing football at such an early age? It doesn't really matter. It's inconsequential, you know? Um, they practice with pads on their, head, their helmets now. Didn't used to be the case when I was in high school. We did what right. we call three-a-days. You know, so you practice at six, you practice at nine, you practice at five o'clock and you got your butt kicked basically for about two or three weeks straight until you were done with three days and you were just doing two days. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, you'd, and you'd lose like 20 pounds in three weeks. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You'd go from the football field to on the floor sleeping at your house. That's all you had energy for was to wake up, practice, sleep. And would you eat? You try. You I tried. Mean, yeah. But... You definitely tried. Um, but what I'm trying to say here is that it's an excellent opportunity to go into a different space, be mindful of your fantasy football time, and look for some things that may help you in your draft. And honestly, man, win some freaking money because that's what it's about, dude. Nobody plays fantasy football. That, you know, and then this should be the case. Not a lot of people play fantasy football for bragging rights. Some people do. And that's part of the game. However... If you're telling me that it's also not nice to collect $400, $500 at the end of a season and then just spend it on whatever you want because you had no idea you're going to have that money, then you're lying to me. You're absolutely lying to me because <laughs> it is. you know. And it's even better when you get it all in ones and you make it rain on the people who uh, didn't win. So that's what it's about, man. So anywho, um, we'll, we'll be live next week. Uh, we'll be recording during preseason week one next week heck yeah it's gonna be awesome that is what it's about baby that's that is something else right like that in for a second that's like when you you know when you open up that fresh can of uh, febreze after you take a dump right it smells great <laughs> you know you get that that first spray of the febreze and there's just nothing better than that first spray of febreze um, right out of that can and then after subsequently the febreze doesn't smell as good that is what it's like week one preseason of the NFL. You know, it smells amazing. And then regular season coming around, and you get the new fresh scent of Febreze. It's mountain breeze, right? It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And after that, you know, you just slowly succumb to a mental health crisis every Sunday because you're yelling at a, <laughs> a game that's inconsequential and arbitrary in many ways, and people you cannot control by developing routines and things that you think have some. Uh, impact on the, their ability to play a game that they've been studying way longer than you've been probably breathing for. You know, it's crazy, <laughs> is it not? It's crazy, it's, man. It's great. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll also come to our own mental health crisis next week. We discover that our, that our team looks great without with pads on and without full pads and against each other, and they don't look as good against other teams. Who would have thought, right? <laughs> so, Trevor, you got anything left for the people? Uh, just that, you know, it's, you know, we, we've, we've made it through the desert. We've made it through the dark night. Um, it's, uh, it's time, man. Football's here. Time, baby. And next week it'll continue to be the time. The page is turning. All the cliches you can possibly add in here. The <laughs> autumn thunder is roaring, right? If I could do a John Facenda voice, I would. Cannot. 
So um, until next time, we're out. <laughs>